out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the drummer, musician and artist Palmolive, one-time member of The Slits and also was in the Raincoats, performed and toured with them and was on their first album, but is also known as Paloma McLardy. So this is the interview, so you'll find out everything and much more, much more. So um, after several minutes of interest and but casual chat, we get down to the exciting subject that was the early formative years. Over to you, Palmolive. For sure, but it's so um, against the normal of people around my time in England because I grew up in Spain. So my my music was Juan Manuel Serrat, you know, Aute. So they were Spanish folk singing. They weren't folk. They were more like um, Bob Dylan. They yes. were the equivalent of John Baez and Bob Dylan in Spain. So these guys were mainly guys they were um picking poetry from the spanish poets of the 27 before the civil war and i never really was interested in the school about that but that really flamed something in me like it was so um powerful like it really changed me i never heard the things that i heard through that music yes Um, absolutely yeah, so it was very, it, it, it had a, a huge impact on me. Yes. And, and all my brothers and sisters, you know, we all loved it. And, and it, it changed the Spanish, you know, the the culture of our time there. But I really took it at heart. <laughs> like yes. It's something I really like, you know, like it was, it, it really hit me hard. Yeah. And you were one of nine, weren't you? Correct. So yeah. nine children, that's quite a, so did you have a, a was it a small, a smallish house and you all had to have about four people in one room? So I do have that story, but that happened for a very short time. It was funny, but one time before my oldest do- uh, sister got married, we were in one room, five of us. My mom had two bunk beds that flip closed and opened. Yes. And then she had one little one, but that was a really like a short time. Mostly it was my sister Esperanza and I, and and she came to England as well. She's an artist. Um, she married Richard Dudansky from the One Hundred One ers. Oh yes, there you and go. then he was in other groups, and so so the family life was almost like two different families. My other older brothers and sisters had grown and left the house. So we were in a big house for a time, like huge place, huge garden where we could roam around and be our, you know, like just be kids. Then we went to the city and that was tight. Yes. <laughs> but I still remember in the summers we would go to the countryside with my grandparents. So I never, it was, it was fine. Yes. We together and we, we had a good family life. It sounded like a wholesome childhood, in a way. Yes, yes, it was for the yeah. most. For the most, but obviously there was a lot of kind of a political turmoil going on in Spain at that time. Um. Yeah. So more like in the universities, and it's still prosecuted. Like you could not 
um, there was censorship on cert- on books, you know, certain books. So basically, everything had to go, even movies. Uh, things were just very much like propaganda, like one way was the right way. And so the young people started, but, you know, a lot of the my friends from the school were very middle class and just going along with the with the program my family was a little different maybe because of that because my mom was very inquisitive and I guess there was a little bit more freedom in our home and yes. just nine you can't control nine kids quite the same way that's a lot of but, children yes that yeah, is a lot yeah. of children. was there much of an age span between the eldest and the youngest uh yeah 16 years that's still quite tight, though, isn't it? There aren't it's, that many years off. It's very, no, not many years off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's something else, isn't it? So, look, you get to the age of 16. This is 1970. Did you leave school or did you go on to university, you know, when you got to the latter part of your teens? So I was already rebelling. I had a boyfriend my family did not like and um, for good reasons, really. And... So, but I, I was already like chomping at the bit, wanted to go get going. And and I wanted to go to Granada where there was a university. My brother Fernando was there and some friends. And um, my parents wouldn't let me. <laughs> they didn't trust me. Yes. Probably, they probably didn't have a lot of uh, money neither. But so I spent two days in the university in Malaga. That's where I grew up, Malaga. Two days. I joined the Seattle group. I lasted a little bit longer, but I just, I dropped out of there and then decided to go to England. So I went to England. I didn't know anybody. Yes. I had to convince my father to sign the passport because I couldn't just go. He had to sign it. And so, yeah, so I went there for three months and then came back to Spain my mom said, okay, you can go to the university. And so I picked the, in Madrid, I was there for six months, did one sociology for one year, mm-hmm. got involved in some squirmishes in, in the university and that, and then decided that I just wanted to go back to England. Yes. And so, that, so yeah, I went for about, I think it was six years at that time that I, when? So what year was that when you came back to England? Mm-hmm. I think it was 72 or, se- 72 or 73. Right, blimey. Did, where did you sort of head for when you came across the channel? Which uh, what, uh, Paddington, near Paddington, West Nine. Right, so you came straight to London in 1972. I went. I went right to where the one of oneers were. The squad, Walterton Road, one of one. Yes, that, there you go. One a famous place, actually. So was it your sister and being connected to the one of oneers that sort of led you to that path? So yeah, so Esperanza, I had gone. Uh, so when I came back to Spain, Esperanza went in the summer, and came back. So we kind of crossed paths. Uh, and she had met Richard. So through Richard, and three, Richard actually was gone already. And I think it was Patrick Nother 
his brother that show us the um and Joe, they show us a room, a free yeah. room. The second time I came with my boyfriend, Herman, and we went there um, right to 101 Walterton Road. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, that was through Esperanza. Yes, this is quite amazing. Yeah, because I think I did an interview a couple of weeks ago with a guy who then went on to become Reckless Eric, and I think he he knew Joe from all... He was referred to as Woody at that stage, wasn't he? So, yes. um, yep. yes, I think reckless Eric. I forgot about him. It reminds, I mean, the name rings a bell. Yes, reckless Eric. Yes, well, he's got a new album that's just come out, and yeah, Sorry. I think he, yes, he sort of talked about watching um the old grey whistle test and um yes in introducing each other to hippie music i think that was the thing so when did you decide or what was your next what was the next kind of chapter in your life when you got to the to the house and the 101ers what happens next well so so when i got there everything was very new i broke up with my boyfriend and very soon after that joe and i got together and basically, I was just loving the whole thing because coming from the repression that was in Spain for young people and especially girls, yes, where you had no voice, it didn't matter. This is what was presented to you. Like, that's what you had to do. Um, so to be living in a place that there was artists, there was people doing, um, creating this really cool spaces like a tea room like meanwhile gardens uh they they got a cooperative a food cooperative going and then the gigs like the gigs of the 101 as well so that was like a a, a huge community of and we became friends like really close friends like mm. we were in each other's houses so it was just really an ideal place for a young person to explore what they wanted to do and you know it was the time like the 60s you know after the 60s so so it still was very much a hippie influences yes the hippie influence would have been there yes it would have been there but then you had the emergence of people like david bowie t-rex roxy music and people like that did you sort of start getting caught up in that kind of musical scene not to begin with so i the 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 squatting scene lasted like say two years or something like that. Then it came the 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 explosion of punk. I was having a hard time just I was getting tired of the scene myself. And and I had told Joe and so we were, you know, I was just saying, I, I'm I'm done with this thing. I, I need to know. And so he really wanted to me to stay and to continue. And he was having like a a lot of a struggle with his own band. Mm. He wanted more. To him, fame was very like he wanted to break it through. You know, he had been playing really hard and working really hard, and he wanted to make it through. Yes, and, and I was excited for him, but I also felt like, well, that's his thing. I need to find out for myself. And so I had gone to Scotland. And while I was in Scotland, the whole uh, thing, the initial incident with the Sex Pistols happened. So to me, David Bowie was someone in the background, not really like, in, you know, I was more still into the music that I had in Spain. 
yes. you know, from Spain and that kind of thing. And and rhythm and blues, Chuck Berry. Like I was more like I like the rhythm and blues. I like dancing. We dance all the time. Like it was so fun with the 101ers, just so like the pub scene. Yes. Pub rock, yes. People, I suppose you would have seen people like the Doctors of Madness with Richard Strange and Dr. Feelgood and and um, yeah. those kind of bands. So I remember took... Dr. Feelgood, yeah. Oh, we love them. What took you to Scotland, by the way? What was your adventure with Scotland? So my thing was just I needed a space. I needed to think what I wanted to do with my own life. I'm very independent. Like I love being with people and I'm kind of gregarious in a way, but I'm also like, I want I want to the same way I left Spain. Something started feeling wrong. Like it did not feel right. It was tight. It was getting old, really. Like the the community life in the squads was kind of like it wasn't the excitement. It just got old. And yes. so I felt like I need to know what I want to do. So I need a space. So a friend of mine knew someone that had a farm and we went. Excellent. And so we just, so it was like to try and figure it out myself and just have a little space and go out of the routine. And so I came back thinking, no, I really love Joe and I want to do maybe a mime. I decided I wanted to be in a, in a, do mime, a street mime. And I yes. had a friend, big John that was doing that and I joined their group and they didn't need someone to do mime or juggling or anything like that and so I was kind of towards like theater and acting and something like that so they didn't need anyone they didn't need someone a drummer and so that's how I picked the drums and then I had a big blowout after three days the guy was like very um domineering and not nice to his girlfriend and I was like no what yes I got kind of like no I don't want to be part of this group but at the same so it was like very like serendipitous <laughs> it was kind of funny like there I am with a drum set playing with it I never sat on a drum set I never thought I was gonna be a musician or anything like that yes and <laughs> I was going to say, in the 70s, I suppose, was it the mime artist Marceau, Marseille, Marseille, Marceau? Was he the, I just say now remember, that was one of those people that was always on telly, wasn't he, doing these mime bits. Did you come across, was that yeah, where you started to find the interest in mime? I just, to be honest, we didn't watch, we didn't even watch TV. Our life was with each other all the time, but I know I remember him and... I would just look at him one time and decided to just run with it. Like I just found it fascinating. And um, but yeah, so and then the the whole idea of being in the street, connecting with people, it just sounded like fun to me. I didn't have a huge, I never thought like a career or anything like that. I just thought it would be a next fun thing to do, basically. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're young. You can go with the flow, can't you, quite quickly and quite sort of swiftly. We make these changes so quickly in life. But yeah. then, so then with the sort of after leaving the mime group troupe, did the, was your next, was the next kind of chapter then the band that you, was it the Flowers of Romance? Was this your next bit? Yes. Yeah, so right at the same time, I am like 
kind of with Joe, like, because I had told him I wanted to break up. Then I go away, but we're still in communication. He comes to visit. So in that whole time, we're still in connection, still together. But when I come back the second, so it was two months. He had come up a month earlier up to visit. And then when I came back, I noticed him very different. And I go, what's going on? And so so then he said he had broken up with everybody in the squad. He expected to break up with me too because everybody basically told him, you're selling out. Right. And and we don't want, you know, he didn't want any, like basically Bernie was dictating a lot of what was happening with the image and everything. And Joe was so tired of uh, having to manage, you know, like the the business size of the group. So, so Joe was definitely going along with Bernie hundred percent. And I didn't didn't know Bernie. I didn't have a problem. He just said, "This is what I want to do." And when he so I met him up when I came back from Scotland. And when he explained it, I I just thought, well, I'm definitely don't want to go back to what I was doing. No. Yeah. I had gone to think about what I was doing, what I wanted to do. Uh, and so so when the thing of the, um, you know, the, the acting group didn't, the street group didn't work, and I had the drums, so it was like a, a, a normal evolution. So me and Joe were talking, we're just saying, okay, we're going to be together. And I didn't have a problem. I liked a lot of the things about punk rock the way he's playing and you know um and so anyway i started going with the group with we would started going out i don't remember i what a specific moment who asked so i imagine that Sid vicious asked me to be in the band or that maybe joe orchestrated it because mm. he was you know in in a week the previous week he joe had been showing me how to play the drums for my for learning to do a role for the group for the for the um, yes skit. and and so so then when everything fell then I so I don't even remember exactly how but I am end up in a group with Sarah with Vivian and with the uh, Vicious being the lead singer yes didn't last very long maybe two months or something like that to me he was a jerk sorry yes (laughs) like i think to other people he might be different like he was like a lad but it wasn't very nice with girls i i didn't think so and that was important to me joe was always like really respectful and i wasn't used to that and so and then he was very immature he was really like a a kid yes like not very developed and so anyway like um he tried to sleep with me but he was just like showing off it wasn't like he was aggressive or anything and so I was not interested in him like in that way at all and so so then nothing was said like after that nothing was said I just basically okay like time for you to go and then the next thing I hear is that I'm out of the group. Oh, there you and go. I, I didn't know why. And I was obviously, I got mad and I was upset. And 
So I thought, like, what's going on? So I, I thought maybe it was Vivian. And I said, I went to her house. I said, what's up with that? She goes, I don't know anything. Ask Sid. So anyway, Sid came to the house. And, and so that was it. He said, oh, you're not right. And I just go, what do you mean I'm not right? Like, so then I told him to, like, he had to leave the house. Yes, well, absolutely. absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> it wasn't a happening thing. Like, I, it, and he didn't, he split, he kicked everyone out, and then he split. So he was, he was just uh, being seen, I guess. I guess so. Did you mar- meet Marco Peroni at that stage? Did you ever cross paths with Marco? Mm, not remember who, who, who was he so he was in a band called Rima Rima and then he was in then he worked with um Adam and the Ants Adam Adam from Adam and the Ants did did Adam come into your circle of friends at all or community? no the, what was his name Marco Marco Peroni which is spelt slightly like the um yes the drink that you would get at um Peter Express, I'm afraid. So, um, yes, that's how we know Marco. So, yes, I didn't know if you'd sort of, because I think he was apparently very briefly in the band, but that's, you know, the Flowers of Romance. Oh, no, not while I was there. It was Sada who passed away. Yes. Yeah, so mm, not really. Yeah, I don't even remember him. No. So it was really it was two months. It was very like things were happening very fast. In uh, and so right after uh, and and I was breaking kind of breaking up also with Joe and a little bit after. Yes. During another two months or something. By the time uh, the the white riot tour was happening, we were like meeting each other here and there but we were it was not like the way it had been so we had been very very close so it wasn't really working yes but in that very short period of time did you then decide you wanted to start another band correct yeah this is I it. decided i i sorry to you gender but i had enough i just said i don't wanna i want to separate you know for for doing the group, I don't want to have to deal with that. So if someone, if I don't sleep with someone, I can't be in the band. That's ridiculous. Yes. So I, I didn't wanna. I didn't think. I felt that I will work better with other girls, and so I didn't have anybody because I had really broken up with all my friends from the squad. So it was all like very new and and. So I had met a few people here and there, but basically out of nowhere in a Patti Smith gig, I, I saw Ari acting up. I mean, I, I said the story a thousand times, but <laughs> she was acting up and I just said, you want to be in a group with me? And she she said right away, she said yes, because that's what she wanted to do. Yes. And that was it. That was a bit like the one of those, what is it, the the Magnificent Seven or the return of the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> it was one of those films, wasn't it? You started to get your gang together. So then the two of you were there. So how did then you develop the next part of the the kind of band? Who was the next person to come into the group? So I asked, I did know Kay Chorus. And she was uh, she was uh, Boogie Boogie. 
Boogie. He was the, the helping the clash. He was helping uh, Joyce Trama. She yes. had gone from the one on one is to he was kind of like manager roadie. Uh, I don't know exactly what he was doing, pro or even sound or something. I forget what he was doing, but anyway. So his girlfriend also was someone that transitioned kind of like me into the punk from the 101 time. Yes. So I asked, I said, do you play the guitar? And she said, I play a little bit. So, and then Susie Gatsy, to be honest, must have been in a group, in, in a gig. I don't remember. And she didn't last very long. Like suddenly the three of us are, especially Ari and I, we were like, we had the same personality in that way. When we wanted something, we w got down to getting yes. it done. And and Susie wasn't, you know, she would miss some uh, practices. And then, you know, like it was, it was hard to pin her down. But that was very, very short time. I don't, she wasn't there very long. So, so at that time, there was, so that happened even before the there was a News of the World article. Yes. So she was in the group. That that was, I think, the first article about us. We hadn't even played anywhere, but we were a band. And so we were just just trying to, we took what punk, you know, the call of punk, and we were making it ourselves, how we would dress, how we would do the songs we wanted to write. We started writing songs. I started writing songs right away. And so we were charging. And um, then in the article, there was the castrators and we saw Tessa. And so we got Tessa to come and join the group. Yes, my God, it all changed. It, it was fast moving in those days, wasn't it? Very it was, fast. It that was, was one minute you were in the group, one minute you were in. <laughs> yes, because before you hardly were together for more than a year you'd already got a john peel session hadn't you no no so none of that had happened no but the, the peel session you recorded one in 77 though didn't you yeah yeah but there, there's anyway the band hadn't hadn't even well, we it. had it started 76 yes so you were you were going through members very quickly at this time so then tessa came into the band susie well, left so so at the beginning so in the flowers of romance yeah but from the beginning of the slits until I, you know, breaking up with them in 78, end of 78. So say it was about, about two years in that frame, only the uh, Susie was at the beginning. Oh, no, well, actually, I'm Vivian as well. So, yeah, Susie and Vivian and, and Kay. So Kay was replaced by Vivian. Yes, blimey. It was like revolving doors here, wasn't it, really? But then you, so so you then had included Tessa, but then you had your first gig. This was in March to 1977, wasn't it? No, we had, that was, uh, March 77 was the White Riot. Right. We were six months together with Kate. So Kate, Kate, Tessa, Ari and I, we were six months together. Okay, so we had, I think it was October we got together, October 76. Yeah. So do you have five, six, six months, you know? Yes. Did it feel so, like, 
did it feel very much like your you and your band or did it feel like you and Ari's band no 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 it was really like a gang like mm. we were I mean undeniably Ari has such a personality almost like fringe yes <laughs> on the spectrum and that but we loved her and we loved each other Tessa was so different and the three of us were very close together when Vivian joined us we felt like she again was very different to all of us but as Tessa Ari and I had like this kind of childlike and more of a gun like Vivian was a little bit more aloof and she was very well dressed and you know she had a lot more um she was gray with clothes and you know like more like she was a little bit more um knowledgeable how to deal we were just like wild wild child a wild like, what the uh, Ari, Tessa, and I. Tessa being like the calming force, but very well in her own ways. Yes, there you go. And then, yeah, and then so with Vivian, all of us were like, again, like we formed this very eclectic, very different, but we all had share. We really wanted to make it. I, there is a, a quote there, I think, from, I can't remember who it was in the, New musical expression. When I say it was like this, let's had this like really extreme um, incompetency. Like we couldn't play, but the <laughs> desire to play so much was so overwhelming that it was just like this fusion of those two contradictions. It's just it was an explosion, you know. And we didn't care. Like we we were gonna perform. Like we were performing for you know two hundred thousand people. You know, like so. It was very, um, it was exciting. Yes, absolutely. So what was it like being on the right White Riot tour? Was that, had you sort of managed to get a good set together at this stage and felt quite confident? Well, we had, I think by that time we had like, uh, yeah, about a song, eight songs or something like that. We didn't have a, a long list of songs. Mm. Um, I had written uh, Number One Enemy Yes, at the beginning. That was my first one. And then New Town and Shoplifting. Ari had already written Let's Do the Split. Tessa wrote Vaseline. And Ari had written another one. And then, so Vivian just joined two weeks before. So Vivian, later on, she wrote a typical girl, love and romance. So, so there was, but they were, they were not part of the White Riot tour. Yes. And did you meet Johnny Thunders at this stage? Was he sort of on the right, what, White Riot tour? I think he came later. Right. Yes. I think he came later. I don't think he was there for that. Yes. And what I, was your... I'm not 100%, but I think I have a feeling that... So that was the initial of us being with Vivian, the White Riot Tour, and then the whole thing with Johnny Thunders, and then uh, see they started uh, with... Uh, what was her name? 
Nancy. 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 Yeah. Splurging. Yeah. So was was there quite a drug scene around that whole kind of community at that stage? Was it already getting quite... So um, to begin with, we were going and saying we don't want like we don't want to be like the hippies smoking dope and you know we were gonna be different and basically it was like more like a speed and people would just get drunk and that but there was a thing about dope but later on when the reggae started coming in and the influence you know people had joints yes. and everybody was doing everything basically but say. And and think it was a very different world than what it is now. So it was very much we were in in our own environment. Like so, we were like trying to do gigs all the time and practicing. That's what we did. We went out to eat. We went to gigs, and that was our life. Yes. Very much in the in the circle, like where Nora. To begin with, I remember calling the Roxy. Because I was a little bit older than than Ari, so I actually established some of the beginning, the first gigs. I got the number from Joe, and and we got we got a gig in the Roxy, and and so then when when uh, so Nora started getting involved, and she basically whenever we needed something or someone, she will step in. Right. We had, yeah. In, in the time we were together, we had eight managers. Wow, that's that's another revolving door of managers. That's why it was a revolving door. And did and and who was the the out of all those eight? Who was the the manager that you was the best? Basically, what was the who was the the one that you thought? Yeah, that was a good manager. Or were they all? I actually thought Nora was. <laughs> Nora was the best. Was it because she had a a, a better background in I don't know business and education? I think the main thing with Nora, what I liked about her or the style is that she wasn't really a manager to tell us what we needed to do. She knew better and she just let us do what we wanted to do, but she facilitated things. Yes. Like he, she created, you know, like she will get the nuts and bolts, like she will rent a van or she would, you know, if we needed something she she had that business side and she knew that so basically she facilitated you know like the managers at that time had a big role say in the case of the sex pistols and the clash yes and we didn't know didn't want that like we knew we did not want that and and the last one while i was with them was um Malcolm and uh, I I had you know we met he came up to me he said oh that song shoplifting is the best one that you wrote you know that's such a unique you know like nobody writes about that blah 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 and but I had such a feeling about him I like did not and then he would say things like honest to God he did say that he said I hate women and and I and I hate music and I thrive in hate. And mm. and so basically he could say whatever. He was Malcolm and we were kids. Yes. But but I had something else, maybe from growing with lots of brothers and sisters. I said, that's bullshit. You know, like I just felt like I don't want to work with him. 
No, no, that's that's um, yeah, that's quite trying, really. I think when you're young, you tend to see to to get sort of carried away and think somehow. I don't know. Sometimes you look back on certain people and you think, God, I slightly respected them. But now I look back, I wouldn't give them five seconds of my life because they're just full of shit. And that's right. fine. <laughs> and, and that's how it was. And they were like, so maybe 10 years older than us, enough. And they've been around enough. Yes. Oh, that you say to someone like, you know, Steve, here is 10 bags, go and get a drink. And you just, He'll do whatever, you know, or, or see vicious, you know, he was just providing the drugs or helping him alone, then they would do whatever. Yes. There was no question. And that's a, a thing that has been because of growing up in Spain to me, that whole thing. Like, I am very curious and I wasn't afraid to, to jump into the, the unknown, so to speak. But I also always felt like I needed to keep my integrity. That if I lost, so I was very sensitive to that. So I will fight things when I, I didn't like something. I would say, no, I don't want to do that just because Malcolm says it or whatever, you know. Yes, uh, wise. Did you, I mean, you did three John Peel sessions. The first one was kind of, um, yes, recorded in the autumn of 77. What were your experiences like at the Maidvale Studios for John, the John Peel sessions? It was very, the gigs, I didn't care. I was felt very comfortable. The other girls were saying they felt nervous. I always felt excited. I didn't care. Yes. But the, oh, to be putting a box and they're checking everything that you're doing, I did not like that at all. <laughs> but we did it. I remember being like, they isolate the drums because they were so loud. And I'm like, chanting this African thing coming out. I didn't even know I was doing. I'm like making these sounds. And it was just very much, but but I love that they are there. I love that that got recorded. And there's a statement to what we did. And yes. the kind of music that we came up, you know, otherwise it wouldn't have been there because when they went down to do the record, I wasn't there and it was very different. So if it weren't for the jump pill sessions, then I wouldn't have, you know, a snapshot of that time. Yeah. I mean, they were quite amazing. So when, what then happens kind of after 77, 78 with you? With you? So I was in the group until the end of 78. Yes. Uh, we went, I actually remember going into Island Record and then... Then, so then after that, after we broke up, well, basically they kicked me out. <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah. So were you on any of Cut? No. The no. songs, my songs were, because the way we did it, like someone would come up with the lyrics or, or someone would do the... Uh, We'll do the, you know, the arrangement, the musical arrangement. But with that, I just, uh, we decided we were going to do, we were very democratic. I mean, it was very unique, very short-lived. But I would say the time from the beginning, pretty much from the beginning until that time, 
we will talk about things how we wanted to do it. It wasn't any big, you know, we all contributed. And so that that was why all the songs, except the last one that I wrote was Adventures Close to Home. And 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 then I said, no, I want to be able to use it because I like I could relate to it still. Some of the songs I started changing and I wasn't interested in performing them. Yes. Like, but because I did have a change, I say I would say seven beginning of 78, middle. I started changing and seeing th things different. I remember going to the gigs with earplugs and just looking at, at things. I'm going like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I just started like questioning things. I do that a lot. Yes, no, it's a good a good thing to do. So then, did you did you know that the end with the band was kind of happening when it did? Was it I, inevitable? I could have guessed it, and looking back. I say, you know, we could have said we want to go different ways. Let's figure some how to do it. Like, as, you know, in retrospect, it's not that I, it was like a jolt because I didn't expect it in a way. Yes. But, but it made sense because we wanted the, the way it was done was to me very rough and not, not good because I really. But we were all young and we were all crazy, you know. Yes, but, but I think we could if we had say okay, let's do the first record because Island also was interested in us as the slits as what we were when they approached us. Uh, so if we had done a record and then part away and do different music, that would have been totally understandable. We were going in different. You know, I had other. Other like um, interests, you know, like we just were not working well together. Basically, yes. I felt like uh, we had been working like all everybody had a voice, and then I felt like it wasn't like that anymore. And so, so anyway, but we were young. So after that, like I was, I wasn't thinking of doing music anymore. And then richard was with the raincoats and he said would you be interested and they loved the idea both gina and anna yes and shirley so then i felt well maybe it's not the whole music business maybe it's just that i'm not getting along with you know these particular individuals and and so then i say i'll give it a try and so i tried for six months and then then I realized, I said, no, I don't want to be doing this. And, and I told them, and they were very sad, but we talked about it like in a very like civil way. Like they say, well, we are sad, but could you, could we record something? And could we do a tour? And then you go. And I said, sure. Like I had no problem. It's not like I had to run and leave or whatever. You know, like I just felt it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't know what where I wanted to go, but I knew I didn't want to do that. Yes. So with the um, raincoats, you recorded this was their the album that came out in '79 that um, features Lola and No Side to Fall In. This is the one yeah. that you were on. Yeah. So there yeah. you go, a class yeah. a classic album of our times. That's yeah. it's a nice little moment actually. Can you remember much about those sessions? Because that was recorded. Was that Clarkinwell the 
Barry Street Studios in London. I don't remember. Uh, yes, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure you're right. I don't remember the name of, uh, but uh, what was it? Oh, what was the name of the producer? Um, was it Jeff Travis or Mayo Thompson? Mayo Thompson. So Jeff Travis was. So the story of I tell everybody like to me raft trade they were wonderful like they were they were really revolutionary for what was happening in the music business you know like he um they wanted to do things that would work for them but for the artists they were yes. very respectful basically they it was 50-50 while it worked you yeah. know almost too good for the you know because then like i think the smiths they distribute and help them a lot and then the smiths just went along and didn't stick with them yes whatever and but i just felt as people to work with they were wonderful they they were very considerate and so jeff was in the background he he was he was very much part of it but mayor thompson when we were going in the studio, the only thing I remember, like I had a strong sense that I wanted to use some, um, I put the ad for Vicky to come into the group. I put an ad in the Compendium music store. Yes. And it said, passion, no expertise or something like that. I, I forget, there's a quote there that we wanted someone that, was passionate about playing and that. And so she turned out, she was a classic uh, musician. So, and the violin, I love the violin. And to me, I had this vision that hadn't been done, that I wanted like this beautiful violin with this raw drums, raw guitar in the background. But I have something uplifting at yeah. the same time. And... Uh, they were saying, no, 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 like, let have it scratchy, have these, you know, like, do it like, almost she had to unlearn the things that she, right. and I felt like, okay, you can unlearn some things and you can use some other things. To me, it didn't have to be different for the sake of being different. Yes. You had to like it. That was my thing. You had to like it. Yeah. So, it, so you got Vicky in, so that, that. That gave the sound another sonic quality, didn't it? Yeah. She was yeah. amazing. She was really good. And and did you Gina tour with and Anna were great to work with. Yes. Did you tour with the raincoats as well around the UK? Yeah. And did yeah. was the after the energy and the vibe of the slits, was the raincoats quite a nice experience that felt a bit more relaxed? Um in the in the relationships, in the you know, like definitely was a, a huge contrast from I mean at the and talking about the my end at the end with this lit, because before it was just we, we did get along a lot. Um so the gigs themselves, um yeah, they it wasn't the chaos that <laughs> Ari brought, and then we all jumped in. Yes. That was something else. Uh, still, there was a lot of crazy stuff. Someone, 
uh, Anne Weatherman, I, I think she unplugged something just we were fooling around at dim walls and the guy just, I can't remember who he was. It was the dumb or someone like that. They just went crazy and the chairs were, so there was chaos too. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. So that we end up in the hospital that day, I think uh, Annette got hurt or something. Oh, and so that was with the raincoats in dim walls. Yes. So things did happen, but I, yeah, I think the, the slits was, in the in the in the chaos department they were definitely tops <laughs> yes this is this is this is true so then the 80s come you know we got 79 that you know margaret thatcher gets into power then we have the falkland well, she was already dead from the beginning when we she, were there yes and then we had the falkland war the miners strike greenham common what happens to you in the 80s how do you navigate that interest in the rather bizarre decade yeah, well, I kind of left the whole music scene. I was so sick of it and left London. And I thought I wanted to, I felt like my life was very materialistic. And then a friend of mine, Timon, who had taught Judy, uh, Woody, like Joyce Trauma to play the guitar. Oh, yes. He got into a guru in India, and I wanted to live. I was trying to find something more spiritual. I found my life a longing for something. I had had crazy things with the astral traveling and all kinds of things. So wow. I had a double in all that kind of thing. And I was curious about spiritual things. Um, so then I thought, let's just go to India. Like I just got together with my husband, Dave. And who I knew from the whole squad thing. And so we went to India and then we went to Spain. And and then we had our son, Sandy. Like uh, he was born 80. Right. So he was born really like very soon. And so then I was looking, my my whole thing Went from being centered, self-centered. I'm thinking about myself. I'm going like, what am I gonna do with this kid? I don't know how to raise a kid. Yes. So then my, my interest went like, how do you raise a kid in this world? I go involved, and then I started to look at different philosophies like Montessori and Waldorf education. Yes. So we Stein. follow that path for a little bit. What about Steiner? Did you get into Steiner at all? Yeah, Waldorf is a Steiner. Yes. Yeah, the Waldorf education was a, like a, a branch of the Steiner yes. philosophy. And so we went, we actually ended up, we had a home in Spain and we went there to the uh, Emerson College in, in Sussex. And we spent a few years there. Wow. A little while, and then we went to a Steiner community. So we really get got involved, quite involved. Yes. So you did you do home education as well at this stage in the eighties? Well, he was very little. He was very little. So no, I never really like because I well when they were little, I, they were just home. Yes. And um. So when, so. 
so we left the whole Waldorf community. It was pretty crazy, like the dynamics inside the group. There was a lot of uh, hierarchical things. And just as a community, I didn't. Anyway, so my mom needed help. So we ended up, she asked me, like, if I will go. She got sick with Parkinson. Right. So so we went and we were living with her and helping her. And so the children just went to the school there. And around the time that we left uh, the north of England, the Waldorf, we became interested in Christianity, in the person of Jesus. Right. And I had a huge, like an amazing experience. Like I felt God around. And I was going for a walk and I felt... I don't know if people can relate to that, but I felt like a, like a strong presence of God and that the world was a beautiful place. It was almost like it just broke. Uh, it just like opened a, a, a huge um, horizon. Right. And then so we continue searching and reading the Bible and always was very like a spiritual in a way. But then when we came to the state, it became like, I feel like it became like, um, like that experience got put in a box. <laughs> and this is it, because you had this experience. This is what that means. And we, we were part of a very legalistic church, I will say, you know, which was to mean. And then we left like 10 years ago. Okay, uh, so you you were with you were with that group for quite a few decades. Yeah, twenty four years. Wow, that's a long time, actually. So, did you at that stage? Did you live in a community within within that? No, so we met very often, but everybody lived in their own home, and we were just we did a lot of theater. Again, like my inkling with theater, my yeah, so we we help people. We deal with drug addicts, people that were into drugs, helping them to restore their lives. Yes. So there was a lot of really good, but at the sun in the background, there was a very um there was a lot of other stuff. I want to write a book and I want to write about, you know, like my experiences because. I, the same way you can see all the stages in my life, I can see, well, that I'm really glad it was very positive, but other things like that was junk. Like you mm. say, you look back and like, what was I doing? Like, why did I put up with it? Yes. That, that's the nature of, you know, like what I have to say, I live my life, not by what someone else said, but I really felt like I did believe it because my experience had been, my spiritual experience had been so strong. Mm. I think I excuse a lot of things. You know, so like we, you just have to forgive. You know, I believe in forgiving, you know, but but it gets murky. It gets murky. There's a, there's a gray area there, isn't there? A... <laughs> yeah, for sure. It sounds good on paper. Um, so when, when, what was the year that you left your... Um community or, or or that group what was that because you said you were there from 24 years that was was that from 1980 or was it a bit later on in the 80s so no it was a, a bit later on because we had Macarena my second our second daughter 
and we were in Spain and we had so uh so 8082 um so 88 my oldest daughter was born right she was 6 months when we came so we came to the states in 89 89 right so blimey so yeah and then so you were 89 there. 99 so it was like so about two about 2015 you you sort of took a uh you, you a little bit two thousand and fourteen or something like that. Yeah. We so left. did you? So there was that. Just trying to keep count there. What well, did you have? Three children in the end. Yeah. Yes, I got that right. So then fifteen. So how do you then navigate that next bit? Because obviously, you know, I've known friends who who joined, you know, groups, cults, spiritual kind of paths, and then, like you say, you know, they they start and it's very nice and it's holistic, but there's a lot of kind of politics there's more politics mm -hmm. than in politics mm -hmm. and there's more groups and there's more groups mm -hmm. and cheesy crazy it gets quite complicated and then you know you have to get people running it and then someone looks after the finance and sometimes they're not always the best people with money that you find out and you know some people telling you to do it but to, to do this and that and they're doing the opposite so eventually they but breaking out of that what did you feel like it was a big thing to leave that particular group it, it was so traumatic it was so traumatic because we were so we did not live in a community but we were almost because yes. we were visiting each other our children grew up together everything was which is one part that I like you know I'm coming from a big family and being in a place like New England where people don't don't to get to know someone and to have community with someone takes a long time. Yes. So, so yeah, it was so traumatic. And also because I had, I was there because of the belief. And I, and it's, it was a struggle because I had to almost break everything that I believe. I had to start from scratch. I had to start, well, why do I believe that? And what is, what is solid? What do I still believe? Not because someone said it, but. And also, like, I still have an understanding of the Bible, like an important document. Yes. And like the whole idea of hell, I thought, that's crazy. Why would someone, a loving God, send someone to hell forever and ever? Like, they're not going to get better. They're just going to be there rotting and suffering forever. Like, what kind of God will do that? Yes. And there was always an answer. There was always like a, a biblical answer, so to speak. You know, no, actually, like I study a lot because I was so into it that almost I had to do it for myself. I had to really study. And there was other voices. There was other people. The Jewish community did not believe in the idea of hell mm. that the evangelicals talk about. So I really went into it. To make a long story short, we lost all our friends. Like, zero um from being with a huge group it was like very isolating and and we just like it started to to really like we felt that in the end we had to be true to what we believe and just start building around that time i had gone to university and i had gotten a degree for to become a teacher and so i was teaching and and yes. so I just continue, just 
you know, like raising my children and, and doing what I knew how to do, um, be, became a teacher. And so I taught for about 17 years altogether. And, and I just, now I feel like at peace in the sense of, yeah, I, I, I think that we are more than just a material. This is more than a material reality. I think like a lot of, I don't care what you call God. You know, in the evangelical world, it's very important that you say is the name of Jesus to me. I don't, you know, there is a higher power. Like there's someone, there's something that created this world. Mm-hmm. By the way, we're destroying. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to me, um, still there's a lot of very beautiful things and wonderful things to give yourself to. But um, I think I almost had to repent from, of religion. Yes. <laughs> I just feel like I had to, I had to rethink everything, basically. And but now I'm very like, you know, when a group said this is the only way to think or to see the world, I'd react very against it. Like I I have a knee-jerk reaction that I feel like we need to talk to each other. We need to talk to people that disagree with us and not be so divided. Yes, I absolutely. No, it's quite tricky. It's did you feel like you had to have a kind of a detox almost, a spiritual detox from that 24 years 25 years with that particular group and is it the case as well that to cope with that change you had to sort of literally give yourself a break from all those people that you had known over those years and decades well the choice to give up the people wasn't mine like they really shut me off right so that was easy from that point of view yes so um so yeah, mentally. I mean, basically, if I life, I always found that life has to make sense to me. You know, not you know, there's very a lot of things that what, what I do in my life, I have to believe in what I do, and then the rest is. So in order to why I wanted to find out why did I do that? What was in me that allowed me to stay so long in a group like that? Yes. You know, I, it was a very in, introspective time. And, and so, but on the other hand, I feel like, you know, I have real friends. I have a sense of being with the divine this you know whatever anybody calls it like i feel like a connection to the material like i love i actually became very involved in environmental things and also like uh actually growing a garden and learning how to grow our food like we're so detached from nature and more and more because of the way the world is changing every time more uh it's just like i feel like the way people are so on their phones with technology all the time i think this Mm. is wonderful that we can have a conversation look at each other but this for instance will never replace a live conversation that you have with someone that you know and you hang out 
and you know, and they're next door. And, you know, there's something that, yes, we're gaining a lot, but the, I think the way like children are growing with the, so surrounded by technology, they don't even know where a tomato comes from. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's sad. I just think like, you know, like when I am outside, I feel alive. Like I just went for a swim in the pond with my grandchild. Oh, yes. He was so, his whole temperament changes. Like being in contact with the water fighting the water like staying up you know learning to swim it's just something so when he's in front of the tv he's a different kid yes i know this is true grouchy (laughs) i know and let alone bad posture and sort of yes kind of an odd reality so then where do you see yourself sort of moving in the next phase of your life you know with um yeah, the next five years. Have you got some feeling of where things are going to go to next? So I really want to write my story. I took time to write my book. And because of life happening, I'm finding it hard. But this is what I want to do. I want to write the book. I want to just take care of the garden. And I want to, for instance, I'm going to go, have you heard of Vandana Shiva? No, I don't think I have. Oh, she's an amazing, she's one of my heroes. She's a feminist and she is a, uh, she's a Indian woman, Vandana Shiva, check her out. So she's coming to the States and I'm going to go to a workshop with her. She's all into like regenerative agriculture. Yeah. So I see myself trying to continue to try to build a real community, not a hierarchical community, but a community where people see each other as equals mm-hmm. and that we are helping the situation by, you know, trying to not live by what the... I feel like the world is so much into consuming and just being materialistic and there's no purpose. It's just like blah, blah, blah. I just think it's nonsense. (laughs) I just think it's boring. I feel like real establishing real connections, respecting the earth and respecting people is... I think it's going to take all my energy, probably. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No. But at the same time, it's well well worth it, you know, to, to let yes. go of yes. to let go of that baggage and to feel a yeah. little bit lighter on the yeah. earth. Just in yeah. so, sort of social situations, it's quite nice. I mean, there's some people that, you know, I've heard talking. I mean, Johnny Lydon, for instance, and he's just saying, I know he's had a lot of personal stuff, but he seems so in need to be angry and so provocative and coming out with things that you think, God, blimey, Johnny, you're not, you know, you don't feel like a very warm and loving and 
empathetic person. You still seem to be so bitter. There's a twistedness there. And other people, I find that actually a lot more people getting of my age and above have just sort of just said, I just want to let go of so much more stuff and just to and just not get so worked up about stuff and just feel kinder. And I think people liked, I think a lot of people do want to feel kinder because they sort of realize that it's like you get you get that back in in a way that yeah. feels really yeah. nice. And yeah, you feel you, like Yeah, to- I totally agree. Like you reap what you saw. And I feel like forever a lot of the propaganda or the media makes you want to be angry at somebody. Yes. And like I'm just like, I'm not, I'm done with that. I wrote a song about number one enemy was about being angry. Yes. Just because <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not there. I don't want to be there. I, um, yeah. So, so I totally agree. And I think the the passing of time, I think I remember I did meet Johnny. And I just think like, I mean, I think it's very, I, I love the way he was with Nora. Did you hear the song he wrote about Nora? Yes, yes. I thought that was so sweet. I, I really like. There's one part of him that was a little different, I think, with Johnny. I don't know if I give him too much credit. And I never really had a lot, but um, for what I knew him, I have to plug this. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, I I do think that he was, when I met him, he was out of it. Like a, there was a thing in LA that I went, there was a, and they did a um, a documentary called Punk. Yes, that was four stages. So we were in one of them, and I went to the opening or something, and he was there, but you couldn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel I could talk. Yes, it yeah, a bit, it's a bit. It's a bit of a strange one, really. Yeah, because actually, when I've heard Steve Jones, who was the guitarist in the Pistols, yeah. he seems like he's done a lot of work on himself he's done a lot of thought therapy oh, really? probably, and written his book and seems to be yeah just letting go of a lot of that kind of stuff just wants to move on that's but, uh, great like I am I'm always glad when I see because it was a very like extreme time but we were all different and everybody responded and everybody you know I mean poor Polystyrene was another one that I wish I had had more of a, being able to connect with her at that time. Yes, it was a very obviously was like very um, conflicted. Very. I mean, if you could have whispered something to your sixteen-year-old self you know, with all the wisdom and experience you've you've had over the decades, is there anything that you would have wanted to say to that that young person starting out in the world, even if they ignored you? But if you thought, look, I'll just tell you a few things that might might just help, but what the hell? I I I actually I tell my granddaughter who is into music, she's doing great. She just released an album with BMG. Oh. But I tell her, I tell her, don't don't ignore your gut feelings when you have a gut feeling and you know mm, like I think I try to follow it and and that is tearing me out of some problems 
<laughs> but I think a lot of young people don't trust themselves. And to to when something feels wrong, it often is wrong for you. Yes. I know. Go with that gut feeling. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Yes. So you've have you written the book or are you still in the process of I'm in writing? the process. So I'm finding it hard. <clears throat> I might do it in stages because there's so much. I might just do the part that I was because it's so much like what we were talking, you know, there's so much to explore with the whole spiritual thing. Yes. But I might do it like the, in parts, like growing up in Spain and then the time in the punk rock and then move on to the, not try to do everything. I think it would be, it's just, and I don't, you know, like I don't really have someone helping me. I, I tried to work with two people, but it wasn't working. Yes. So yeah, I I think I think it's a really good time because there's a lot more people aware that women haven't had that much voice in music. So it's like the story of this and the story of that. And he went, Oh no, that's just all the men talking. What about some women? Oh dear. Sorry, we forgot. And now I think that that has changed. And the people are like, okay, yeah. we better address some of this yeah. kind of because everything was about men and blokes. And then mm -hmm. they go, Oh yes, but we've got Debbie Harry. And we got Susie Quattro, so that ticks the women back to the men. And now it's like, no, nah, you can't really do that anymore. It's like, oh, shucks. We're going to have to have a whole rethink on all of it. So it's good. And I think people will be interested in your story because obviously it's it's such a, a moment. You know, it didn't happen before. It didn't happen after. It only happened when you were in the zeitgeist, really, weren't you? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's it, that. It, it's just happening. It was like an explosion. I know. And, and it's a kind of fascinating. I do think it's really the interesting cultural time, you know, and I mean, I'm sure all times are cult interesting, but it was, you know, there was a lot going on and a lot of characters that you think, wow, that was, you know, you, you've managed to, you know, meet most of them, didn't you, at that period? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. did you did you keep any nice photographs by the way have you have you got a nice little kind of record of it or do you have to rely on other people's pictures that, that um well a lot of the pictures were taken by other people but uh yeah i have a few i just actually lately i just have another three sets of photos that i haven't seen much and are really cool one um what was the name of it? He just said that I could use it. Ray Stevenson. Oh yes. He yeah. had he has on his webpage, he had some and they were good, but he he released a little book here. Yes, I've just seen, yeah, because I've got some of those those yeah, ones. So some of those I haven't seen and, and they were great. So I just asked him, is this one of Tesla pouring? beer <laughs> yes fantastic uh, and then so i wanted to i might even use so uh, that one from so i don't have a lot like with the drum that one has the drums on the side yes and then there's the best one of Barry Higo. i think that's brilliant that is a spectacular picture, isn't it? Yeah, what, that is a great picture. God, that is, um, yeah. blimey, that's 44 years ago, isn't it? 45 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 50, isn't it? 
Wait, 76? Yeah, it's it's slowly, but yeah, it's going to be. Yes, you need, yes, you, yes, the book, the book. But I'll, well, I'll check out, Um, what was your Shiva, Vandana? Van... Vandana Shiva. Vandana I can Shiva. send you the link. And so she's actually coming to, I can't believe it. I was saying to my husband, I really feel like I want to go somewhere more primitive. Like here, we like everybody's just buying this stupid food that is hurting us. Everybody is so many fat people. You know, yes. like we consume this, like really a lot of the uh, in America, there's a lot of chronic disease yes. because of their lifestyle. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good at all. And so, anyway, I was just saying, I want to go, even I would go to India and just spend one month seeing what they're doing. There you go. That would certainly cleanse your system anyway and your spiritual And just what learn from them. Just learn what they're doing and then I can pass it on to people. I just feel like it's very important. Regenerative agriculture is, I go. feel like it's going to be more important because, yeah, more and more. Yes, it's, uh, it's grow, so, grow those tomatoes, cucumbers, and the beans. <laughs> you just got to get your vegetables, haven't you? Uh, yeah fork to fork fork, that's the tip you know top tip isn't it really to be able to dig something up and have it on your plate within half an hour oh i never heard that i like that fork Fork to fork fork. i never heard that is that a british thing well there was a guy called monty don who's one of those people who does a gardening i think he does gardening gardener's world on the bbc and he did a book called fork to fork and i thought it was quite a nice title isn't it really Oh, it's very clever. Yes, it's very it clever. So then, yeah, so um, yeah, yeah keep, keep so your hand. So Vandana Shiva is coming for just uh, three three days or so in October. So to America. Just, to America. So I just signed up to spend three days, you know, just with the workshop in a beautiful place. And so I don't know what will happen from that, but... Uh, yeah. Do you do you just feel like you've missed that, you know, the experience you'd had with the Waldorf, that somehow there's been a bit of a nothing so solid as 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 that, and this will hopefully give you that extra structure in life? Um, so, so say, for instance, in the in the church, there was a lot of plenty of structure. And in the world of, um, yeah, it was a different kind of instruction. I feel like, why can we not have, be who we are and be in community with people? Like, let art happen. You know, I think art is so important. In the, all those aspects of life, why are we becoming more mechanical, more consuming, more detached from nature? We're going away from that. And all that, you know, that to me, why can we not have that? Yes. We need to be, you need to be listening to the birds in the hedgerows. Yeah. And I mean, now I go out and feed hedgehogs every night just, just because. That's what we all do. That's what we all do in elder age. We we get excited about hedgehogs. So, and what did you? Where did you live? 
in Norwich. We I live in Norwich, England, so um, that's okay. where we're based. So um, it's a nice place, and you know we've got a lovely garden in the city, and you know you sort of we've got this app now on the phone where you can just play. You can put it on, and that will tell you what birds are in in your yes, area. Yes. And it's like, oh, yeah. it's really nice. And you can think, God, I'm surrounded by eight different birds. I feel much more, I appreciate this even more than I did before. I just didn't know what they were, but I didn't realize there right. were so many. Well, you, there's one for the plant. Yes. I've and so a... now before I didn't know, is this a weed or is this a plant? I mean, I have a lot of perennial plants. Yes. I have apples and pears. Like I planted last year, I planted 17 trees. Nice. Two years ago. So, so this year I had so many, like they're coming out. Like, why can we not do that? Instead of having a, a, a grass that is taking all these fertilizers. Yes. Like, it's like, and it's so beautiful. And you can tell people when they pass, they like, it makes them a smile. I know like the my, blossom. Yeah, the zucchini is coming out of, I didn't know, but it's just going into the neighbor's job. <laughs> and yes. all over, on the road, I had to pick it back, you know, so. Yes, train I love it back. that about nature. Anyway, yes. you got to so I'm going them. back to my hippie days. Got to, yeah, go and, and just go and look at the stars occasionally in the, yeah. the Milky Way and realize just how marvelous and what a miracle it is that we're yeah. on this planet. I mean. The chances of us being here are billions to one, and yet here we are. So yeah, and that sense, that whole sense of wonder. I think when we are like so busy and so into our phones, and just we lose it, and then there's a nagging, like you know, there's something like an unsat. You're not satisfied. Yes. At least I'm not, you know, I'm not talking for everybody. Some people might be, but I think all the drags, all the, like we end up wanting to numb that feeling. And, and why not just listen to the feeling and do something about it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Feel, yeah. Otherwise we're spiritually bankrupt and that's just not going to help, is it? Really? Yeah. That's yeah. not going to help you in your old age. So yes, be connected to nature. It's the only way. It's the only way. But look. Yeah. I'm going to have to go to bed soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but look, oh, uh, yeah, and, and where were you based again? Sorry, I missed that. Cape Cod. Cape Cod. In Massachusetts. So in US, Boston, south of Boston, Cape Cod is a little arm that goes into the water. Nice, Cape Cod. Like, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Sounds lovely. It sounds nice. The beaches but, are amazing. So lovely to talk to you and yes, thank you, and hope you have a really amazing time with um Vandana Shiva. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be nice. Ecofeminism, that's the future, isn't it? Yeah, well, I I feel like whoever wants to do it can do it. I don't it doesn't have to be <laughs> feminine. No, but, but but she's an eco-feminist, I believe. Yeah, she is an eco-feminist. I just don't like too many labels, but no, that's, she yeah. calls herself that. But uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. It's good. Keep in touch with your feminine yin yang. Yeah. That's all the main. Okay, look. Take care. All Have right. a lovely day, and okay, thank you ever so much for this. Take care. Yes. Bye bye. No problem. Bye bye. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. You 
probably guessed that. Anyway, a massive thank you to Palmolive or Paloma, depending on how you want to um, phrase it. But anyway, look, I'll give you the uh, link to her website in the notes below. This has been The C86 Show. David Eastall, if you want to contact me, you can. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. All these interviews have been archived. So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.